You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation. It's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. Here are your hosts, Tyler Curtis and Charlie. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA podcast. Brought to you by our very good friends at Alumni Hall. I'm your host, Tyler, and today on the podcast, I have not one, but two co-hosts as both Charlie and Curtis join me on this special 2021 predictions episode of the Glory UGA podcast. It has been a very popular request over the past couple years to have all three of us on the same episode. We've gotten asked that many, many times over the past couple years. I think we've done it one time a couple years ago, like the first year Charlie was on the podcast, but that's it. It's honestly, it's just tough with our different schedules. Like Charlie was originally added to the show a few years back to help fill in for Curtis on the episodes that he couldn't do once he started law school. Obviously, his schedule got a little more full once law school started, and that just meant that they were on on different days. So we are all very excited to be able to make it happen today, at least for one episode, Uh, We thought if we were going to make it happen, this would be the one to do it with so that we could get all of our preseason predictions on the record for you guys. And we will get to those predictions very shortly. But first, I just want to remind you that we will be doing our second Instagram live session Monday night at 8 p.m. 8 p.m. I know last week I scheduled it tentatively for Monday at 8.30, but uh, I got to move it up just a half hour earlier, Monday night at 8 p.m. I hope a ton of you guys can make it. The deal was that for every 100 new followers leading up to the season, we would do an Instagram Live, and we've blown past 300. We've blown past 400. We're sneaking up on 500 right now. So true to our word, we're going to be going live Monday night at 8 p.m., and that's right. Hopefully, it will be a we. Curtis, uh, we're going to try to make it happen where he can join us tomorrow night. It's one of the reasons we're moving it up. He's got a couple things he's got to take care of with law school, but if he can get that out of the way, then Curtis will also be jumping on to join me as well. We can't promise it's going to happen, but at the very least, I will be there, and we're hoping to be able to have Curtis on there as well. So if you have not already, make sure to follow us on Instagram at Podcast so you can also join us. Bring your questions, bring your predictions, bring your thoughts, anything and everything as we officially enter game week boys and girls and speaking of game week 
Don't forget to visit our guys and gals at Alumni Hall for all of your game day needs. Not only will they dress you out head to toe in the best Georgia game day gear out there, but they've got you covered with all of your tailgating needs as well. They've got flags, they've got car decals, grilling tools, mugs, cornhole boards, portable ping pong boards, whatever you need. Trust me, guys, they've got it. They also offer a 10% discount for all Georgia students and all veterans. They also have an awesome hall pass reward system. So if you're like me and you just can't help yourself when you start buying Georgia gear, it just um, it becomes insane. It gets out of control really quickly, but it's all good. It can actually work to your benefit this time. With their hall pass reward system, for every $150 you spend, you get $10 in store credit. So guys, it can rack up real quickly for you. I know it does for me. So shop today at Alumni Hall. You can shop in store in the Epps Bridge Shopping Center here in Athens or online at alumnihall.com. All right, guys, we've got some predictions to make, and we're going to have a lot of fun with this one today. This is another one of those episodes that we do each and every year. And I always look forward to this episode, not only because I think it's fun to talk about all these teams and make predictions. To me, it's just one, it's like the last marker before like game week gets here. Technically, if you're listening to the show, it probably already is game week, but it's like we're recording this on Sunday. So for me, it's like we are entering game week officially. The long off season, that dark period of time, it is over. So uh, we're excited about this. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's pretty simple. All three of us printed out a 2021 SEC helmet schedule. We picked every single game that will be played by SEC teams this season. We're going to run through each team in the East and the West and give you not only our official predictions on like where they're going to finish, like first, second, third, whatever, but we're also going to give you our prediction on what their actual records will be like. And then we will wrap things up with our playoff picks as well. And guys, this is it. These are our official hold us to them picks We've dabbled a little bit talking about some of these teams. We've discussed them throughout the summer, throughout the offseason. But now we are officially locking these picks in. And yes, just like last year, we will come back at the end of the season. Accountability matters. And we'll take a look back at what we're saying right now. And we'll see how we all fared when it was all said and done. But all right, Charlie, I'm going to turn the hosting duties over to you. Where are we starting? All right, we're going to start with the SEC East, and why not? So let's start off with a bang and open with the Georgia Bulldogs. We know that's what everyone wants to hear, and we're not going to make you wait. We know there's a lot of excitement entering the season. We've had some injuries occur, and there are also some questions. But there's a huge matchup right out of the gate with the Dogs heading to Charlotte this Saturday, not next Saturday, this This Saturday. Saturday, to take on the Clemson Tigers. So I'm going to go with Georgia going 12-0 and this season. Homer. Well, that's okay. I'm fine with it's okay. that. It's fine. Curtis, should our listeners go ahead and make reservations for January in Indianapolis? Um, I think it might be a little too far ahead of yourself. It depends. I think it'll come down to the SEC championship game for that. All right, Tyler. All right. So, well, Kurt, what's your pick, man? What do you see the dogs doing this year? Um, I picked them going 11-1, and one, losing to Clemson in the first game, but uh, running the table the rest of this season. Just got to be a buzzkill, don't you, man? Just got to. Uh, well, just the injuries and everything just make it a little – I mean, if we didn't have Darnell out and Tyke out, I may have been more tempted to go with the dogs, but I think those are two big injuries. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I, I'm just giving you a hard time. I 
can't lie to you. I've been confident that we were going to win this game really for the past couple of months. But as we get closer and closer with each passing day, that confidence starts to wane a little bit more every single day. So I, I totally get what you're, what you're saying there. The injuries are concerning to me. There's no doubt there. But when I look at this Georgia team, this is one of the two most talented teams in the country. Again, actually, they just released this like two days ago. I've been waiting on this for a couple of weeks now. It's usually around this time, around the start of the season, that 247 Sports releases their college football team talent composite. So what they do with that is they take all the players on your team, all the scholarship players on your team, and they look at where they were rated as recruits, and they calculate like your talent composite, your overall talent on your roster. And once again, I think for the, is this the, at least the second year in a row, I think in 2019, we were second. So the second year in a row, we are coming in as the most talented roster in the country, according to the 247 composite. Now, of course, they don't get all their ratings right, but they get more off, they get more right and they get wrong. So once again, we are number one, Alabama is number two. So however you want to slice that, we are one of the two most talented teams in the country, and it is time for that talent to pay off. It's time, guys. It's absolutely time. And of those two teams, you're going to Georgia, you're going to Alabama. And we'll get to Alabama later on, but I think we have far more returning experience, especially on offense. We know we, I think you can say that we've been an elite program. We've been a contender, but the fact is we have not closed the deal. We've been right there on the precipice of closing the deal, but we haven't done it. We've got as close as you can without doing it, but we still haven't done it. So what has held us back from doing that? We've talked about this a lot, but just to summarize it again real quick, to me, a couple things here. Offensive philosophy, number one, quarterback play, offensive coordinator, just play calling. And then I don't think we've had like the elite wide receiver play that you've seen for some of the top teams that are actually winning national titles. We've had good receiver play, but not elite. I think if you look at all those things that kind of held us back the past couple of years under Kirby Smart, I think all those things are in a better position entering 2021 than they ever have been under Kirby Smart. All those areas that held us back, in my opinion, I would go as far as saying they are infinitely stronger than they have been. And our strength, which has been our defense, is loaded yet again. There should not be a decline there. And then when you're talking about predictions in the preseason, you've always got to look at the schedule. Last year, the schedule was tough going to Alabama. But the schedule sets up this year about as perfectly as you could ask for. You're right, Curtis. That game is Clemson out of the gate. That's a tough one, man. And that's probably a toss-up 50-50 game right now. But even if we lose to Clemson, I'm looking at the rest of the schedule here, and I'm like, I, I, I don't see – and look, we could lose. We lost to South Carolina at home a couple years ago. But if you're talking about on paper, I don't think we should lose any other games. I think by SEC standards, this is a very favorable schedule. It does come down to the Clemson game. It always comes down to the Florida game for the SEC East. I think we are better almost all around the Florida. We'll talk about them in a little bit. Um, like, you, like I said earlier, Curtis, I, I was feeling very confident about the Clemson game as recently as about a month or so ago. But as I knew would ultimately end up being the case, man, like I'm feeling more and more nervous with each passing day. The injuries certainly don't help there. But I still think it's a toss-up game at worst. We'll dive into that more later on this week in our preview episode. But we got a lot of teams to talk about today, so I'm going to wrap this up. Uh, I love our defensive line matchup with the Clemson offensive line. I think that might be what decides this game. I think we can make some plays on the outside against their secondary if we can protect JT, which is easier said than done. I do have some concerns there, no doubt. But I think that we can beat Clemson. I'm going to go 12-0. and I'm going to go with Charlie here. I'm going to go 12-0. Call me a homer. That's fine. I absolutely think we could lose to Clemson. You could be very right, Curtis. Absolutely, we could lose. But I'm going to give us the edge here going to the season. Dogs 12-0 heading to Atlanta yet again. All right. 
Last year, the Florida Gators ended Georgia's three-year run of SEC East championships. However, they have lost a lot of key players, and let's not forget that they still lost four games last season. Um, I have Florida going 9-3 and three with losses to Alabama, Kentucky. That game is at Kentucky. Yep. And to Georgia at the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. Tyler, will Florida continue to build off of last season, or was that a blip on the radar? You said 9-3? and three? Yes. If you guys have heard me talk about Florida the past couple weeks, really all offseason, you, you probably know where I'm going with this. I think Florida's still a good team. I don't think they're going to fall off the face of the earth. They're not going to go down to six and six or something like that. Dan Mullen, for all the grief we give him, deservedly so in my opinion, he is a clown, clown of a human being, but he's a very good football coach, a very good offensive mind. But when you look at this Florida team, Charlie, I don't believe they are poised to build off of last year's momentum. And last year, I mean, they, they lost four games. Well, they ended up eight and four last year. So the best year they've had in however, however long, they go eight and four. And then they're kind of pounding their chest over that. I think this is a good team. I think they have some good players. They do. But you also look at what they lost. They've lost so much and so many key players that made them what they were last year. We know it was all offense from last year. They won in spite of their defense last season. The three players that really made that engine go at the skill positions were obviously Kyle Pitts, Kadarius Toney, and Trevon Grimes. Those three players combined for 72% of their scoring offense in the Florida passing game last year. Obviously, Kyle Trask is no longer with them. Kyle Trask is limited physically but he was a really good fit for what they were trying to do last year with the playmakers they had on the outside he did a really good job of distributing the ball to them but this year with Emory Jones coming in as the likely starter at least to open the season I'm not convinced he'll be the starter all season long if you look at some of their practice reports and kind of how he's been performing I see that as a major question for them I know a lot of people are especially the Ford fans are trying to convince themselves saying oh well, you know Emory Jones he, he kind of fits what Dan Mullen's always want to do with dual threat quarterbacks and I think that's true I think you'll see more of an old school Dan Mullen type offense this year but my questions with Emory Jones are, are pretty clear like if he was so good why has he not been the guy until now he couldn't beat out Felipe Franks who was an absolute disaster at Florida he couldn't beat out Kyle Trask when yeah Florida fans, you're right. He was a far better fit for Dan Mullen's traditional offensive system. And that should tell you what they thought of him last year. If they decided to go with Kyle Trask, who was clearly not the athlete, and they had to basically build an entirely new offensive scheme that was very different than what Dan Mullen traditionally runs because he didn't have this type of quarterback there, that should probably tell you that they didn't really believe in him last year. Because if they believed in him at all with how he fits his system, you think he would have been playing, but he was not. And again, yes, we've heard some very concerning things come out of camp. I have questions about who are their playmakers on offense right now. I really do. Those guys are gone. Um, defensively, they were terrible last year. They were 83rd nationally, giving up 428 yards a game. Rush defense, they were 71st nationally, 171 yards per game. Guys, they gave up almost twice as many yards per run than we did last year. And the schedule for them, last year they benefited from, a, from the schedule uh, being lighter for them than it was for us. This year is kind of flipped. They do have Alabama on their schedule. We don't. Now, they get Bama at home, which certainly helps. But I still think Bama is the better team there. Charlie, you said nine and three. I'm actually going eight and four here. I've got them losing to Bama in week three. I got them losing at Kentucky. I have them losing at LSU as well. Uh, and then, of course, I have them losing the dogs in Jacksonville on my birthday on October 30th. All right. Curtis, how do you see the Gators doing this season? Um, I don't look on them as highly as either of you. I have them going seven and five this year with losses to Alabama, Kentucky, LSU, Georgia, and at Missouri at the end of the year. 
Curtis, I love that, man. Uh, Missouri, you know, they, they, you're right. Like, Missouri's giving them trouble all on the road because they usually play them late. It's kind of cold there. Florida doesn't play. Well, I like that, man. Seven and five. All right. Well, the Kentucky Wildcats have quietly turned into one of the more stable programs in the SEC. They haven't been one of the top teams, but they have been consistently good for a few years now. I have the Wildcats going 10 and 2, which I believe will get their head coach an, uh, 10 and two. an extension. Doesn't he get an extension? If it's 10 and 2. If I, he's in maybe I honestly don't wins. know. Stoops? Yeah. Is that in his contract? I think so. I'll have to look that I up. I'm so. not sure. So I have the Wildcats going 10, 10 and 2. Are you crazy? Yes. Probably. Curtis, how are the Wildcats going to do this season? I actually agree with Charlie. Right now, I have them going 10 and 2 with losses to only LSU and Georgia. All right, Tyler. Yeah, I'm giving you guys a hard time, but I actually have Kentucky ten and two as well. Um, I I don't know. Like I'm I I've been on Kentucky for a couple of months now, uh, going back to like May, but this is becoming a very popular pick lately, and so that kind of concerns me. But I'm going to stick to my guns here. I like a lot of things about this Kentucky team. A lot of things. Uh, they have one of the best offensive lines, not just in the SEC in the country. Kennard is one of the best players. Of, on any offensive line anywhere in America last year. They also get Daria Rosenthal, who's a potential maybe first-round draft pick type guy uh, coming over as a transfer from LSU. Chris Rodriguez, little Benny they like to call him, was the second-highest rated running back in the country last season. Not many people talk about him. He's one of the best, not just in the league, again, one of the best running backs in all of America. Now, for a while now, the issue, if you watch Kentucky play, which I know you guys have, you know what the issue's been. It's been the quarterback and the passing game. That's been the problem. They've run the ball as well as anybody. They just can't complete a forward pass but they bring in Liam Cohen from the NFL who's a Sean McVay guy Will Levis coming in he's won the job Joey Gatewood's off to UCF he's the quarterback coming in from Penn State Wondell Robinson um, you think Nebraska guys watch week zero they could use him out there against Illinois yesterday but he's a, a kind of a do everything type guy at the receiver position former Mr. Kentucky football player and he's back in the bluegrass state so he brings he gives them that kind of playmaking option out wide to me it comes down can't like, can they beat Florida at home? Uh, they played them pretty close lately, especially in Lexington after, like, what, 31-game win streak for Florida against the Wildcats. Uh, look, they, they play better defense than Florida. Mark Stoops is a defensive guy. They're always going to be good on that side of the ball. I believe Levis gives them enough offensively, something they haven't had to go along with the running game, to go along with the offensive line. I think he's going to give them enough in the passing game to beat the Gators. And, yeah, I'm with you. I, I've got Kentucky losing to – who did I go? I got Kentucky losing to – LSU at home and Georgia on the road, back-to-back games there. So, and there's a couple other games like, like Missouri at home. I think is is a swing game for them potentially. Uh, Louisville at the end of the season, I think they're better than Louisville. But I mean, honestly, with the schedule, ten and two right now, I feel pretty good saying that. And they could lose to Florida. I think nine and three, maybe like that could certainly happen. But I'm gonna stick to my guns here. Go ten and two. I'm, I got Kentucky finishing second in the SEC East. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. 
Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. All right. Well, next up, let's talk about the Missouri Tigers. Last year, they went five and five with Eli Drinkowitz's first year. Uh, they have Connor Basilic at quarterback returning, and they have a couple of nice pieces at the skill positions. I actually have Mizzou going eight and four. I'm kind of high on them. Mizzou Tigers this year. Well, so do you have them beating Florida, though? Who finishes third? Um, Let's see. I hate this schedule. It's so hard to look at. I think I do. Wait, Let me see. I have them losing to Florida. Yeah, losing, yeah, Florida finishing third, Missouri finishing fourth. Okay. Yeah. All right. Tyler? All right. Yeah. So, look, Connor, you mentioned Connor Bays. Look, he's a guy that did some good things last year, the quarterback position for Missouri. I'm just not as high on him right now as some are. I think he has the tools to become a really good quarterback in the SEC, but I just don't think he's quite there yet. At least he was not last year. We'll see what a new year brings. He only completed – or he was only averaging 7.3 yards per attempt last year. Guys, that was less than Stetson Bennett, all right? You know, we all had issues with Stetson. We love Stetson, but we knew we weren't weren't going to win anything with him. That's kind of where Baselick was last year. Wasn't always decisive with the ball. Would miss guys on the field at times. So I have questions there. Can he really be as good as people want to say he is? I don't know if he's there yet. Um, they have major questions on defense. They have a new defensive coordinator, Steve Wilkes, coming in from the NFL. They gave it over 50 points per game over the last three games of the year, guys. That's about as bad as anyone. That's about that's like Ole Miss level bad. They were 102nd nationally explosive plays allowed, 98th in points per play. They're losing their best player, Nick Bolton, on top of that, and their defensive coordinator. I just I have major questions on defense. I don't think Baselick is as good as some want to make him out to be. So, Charlie, I'm actually right there with you. I got Missouri at eight and four. If you look at the schedule. I got seven and five as possible. I think ball at Boston College was a swing game for them. They very well could lose that game, but I got them winning that game. I got them losing at Kentucky, losing to AM at home, at Georgia, and I got them losing to Florida. Although Curtis, as you said earlier, I wouldn't be shocked if Missouri somehow pulled that late season upset against Florida at home. But right now, I'm going with a safe eight and four for Missouri. All right, Curtis. Um, based on the Florida pick, I, the only difference really is I'm going to have them at nine and three with losses to Kentucky, A&M, and Georgia. Yeah, I think that's very reasonable, Curtis. I mean, you might be spot on with that Florida pick. Because, I mean, I've watched a couple times late in the season where Florida's just struggled there when it gets really cold in Missouri. I mean, I've been, like, I've, we've been to Missouri when it's like early October and it's already freaking cold there. So when you're talking late November, I mean, it might be it literally could be snowing there. So that could, that could that could certainly be a game where they could upset the Gators. All right. Well, now let's go with the train wreck in Knoxville. The Tennessee Volunteers have been an easy punching bag for a while now, and I'm not sure if that changes this season. Probably uh, not. <laughs> yeah. Josh Heupel comes in from UCF with a reputation for producing great offenses. Not sure that's going to happen here. Um, but they lost at least is it 26 players? I think it was 20. Yeah, 26, I think was the final count. 26 players of the transfer portal, including some of their best players from last year's team. I have the volunteers going five and seven. Curtis? Yeah, I'm with Charlie. Is there any I have hope them for the balls this year. 
No, I agree with Charlie. I think that five and seven is spot on. They're not going to win many games, especially when you look in the SEC. Yeah, I'm. I'm looking at this Tennessee team. I'm. I'm. Kurt, you said five and seven. Yeah, and because I think the game is tough as Pitt, and I just don't see them winning that. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think that is a swing game for them. Like if they can, if they can get that Pitt game at home, they could potentially go bowling. I think Pitt is better than them. They have Pickett coming back at quarterback. Pitt's just some more stable program right now. I know it's in Knoxville. They, I mean, that state might be three fourths full. I mean, they just they can't. They're like giving away tickets there. It, it's sad for them. But yeah, I hate to like have the exact same pick as you guys here. But I also have the Vols going five and seven losses to Pitt at home. That could be the swing game. Uh, I don't see them beating Florida in Gainesville. That's not going to happen at Missouri. They're not going to beat Missouri. Uh, Ole Miss, I think we'll get to Ole Miss later. I think Ole Miss can be a sleeper team in the ICC this year. I think Ole Miss is going to beat them even if that game is in Knoxville. They're not beating Alabama. What's it? If they lost Alabama like 48 times in a row now, it gets something. It's insane. It's you insane. Can't keep track Will they ever beat Alabama again? I, I honestly don't know. That's a, like, when is that ever going to happen? Uh, I got losing at Kentucky, obviously losing to Georgia. So I got them five and seven, missed out on the bowl season. And so, yeah, train wrecks a very apt description, Charlie. All right. Well, like Tennessee, South Carolina is also breaking in a new coach, but is doing so without the inner turmoil that Tennessee has had to deal with. I'm not sure I believe in Shane Beamer, and also their schedule is brutal. They have three preseason top six teams on their schedule, UGA, A&M, and Clemson. That A&M game is not fair. And then they always have to Yeah, play how would you like to be South Carolina? Yeah. Like South Carolina when they add A&M to the to the SEC is like, "Oh yeah, hey guys, by the way, here's your new cross division rival." And it's like, "What is the like are, aren't they like diametrically opposed parts of the SEC geographically?" Yes, they are. So, for those reasons, South Carolina will go, let's see, 4 and 8. No. Well, 4 and 8. 4 and 8. 4 and 8. 4 and 8 this season. That is a 4. I know. Tyler yeah, I mean, look, South Carolina, you guys know I, I do not like South Carolina. I really do not. I do not care for them. Um, but I kind of feel bad for them in a way, but not really. This is going to be a tough year for me. You're right, Charlie. I mean, three top six teams. I mean, I, I don't know if that's the toughest schedule in the country, but it's certainly up there. If you look at South Carolina, I got them four and eight as well, Charlie. They, I'm interested to see what they're going to be like offensively. Obviously, when you have – Shane Beamer coming as your head coach, he's not an offensive or defensive guy. He's never been a coordinator. So it's kind of like opening on what they're going to be. They hire Marcus Satterfield to be the offensive coordinator. Um, he's kind of a Joe Brady disciple. So you imagine there's going to be some Joe Brady in their offense and also some Lincoln Riley with Beamer coming over from Oklahoma. But I just don't have the – I don't think they have the personnel to run either of those schemes. I mean, Kevin Harris is a good running back, but he's not the three-down back that that system likes. Where He's a guy that can kind of be a threat on the back in the passing game. Luke Doty, who was their, going to be their starter coming in the season, he hurt his foot early in fall camp. He's trying to get back, from what I understand. I don't think he'll be back for week one. At least I don't think he'll be close to 100% healthy. And the guy that's going to be the starting quarterback right now is a guy named Zeb Nolan, who was poised to be a graduate assistant until Doty hurt his foot. So they pulled him off the sidelines as a coach. And now inserting him, because I guess he still had a little bit of eligibility left. And he used to play at Iowa State. And now he's right now, at least for early in the season, until Doty gets healthy, he's going to be their star. And even when Doty gets healthy, I have major questions about him in the passing game. I will give them this. They have one of the best teams of lines that no one is talking about. Kingsley Inigbari, 
was just behind Aziz last year in uh, Pro Football Focus pass rush grade. Their defensive line is stacked with four and five-star talent. Zach Pickens, Jordan Birch, Rick Sandage, Aaron Sterling, and Jordan Strachan's a transfer coming from Georgia State who had a 90.2 pass rush grade last year in the Sun Belt. I know the SEC is not the Sun Belt. I get that. But he was highly productive for Georgia State last year. They have a really good defensive front, but I just don't know what they're going to do offensively. Shai Smith has gone on top of, on top of having a new quarterback. And I don't know what, where their playmakers are. I guess Kevin Harris, but again, I just don't know how much of a fit he is for this new offense. So, yeah, I don't see much hope for the Gamecocks this year. Tough schedule, 4-8. and eight. All right, Curtis? Yeah, unfortunately, just like with um, Tennessee, I also see them going 4-8 and eight this year. I just don't think that they have anything. I, I think they'll be lucky if Vanderbilt's their only SEC win in the year. Yeah, let me look. On the, in the SEC, I have them beating – yeah, I have them losing at Tennessee – that game was in South Carolina. Maybe I would pick the Gamecocks, but no, at Tennessee, and then a loss. Yeah, I'm with you, Kerr. I think, yeah, Vanderbilt's the only SEC win I have for them. Sucks for them. All right, and finally, let's wrap up the East with the Vanderbilt Commodores, who are the third team in the division working in a new head coach as Clark Lee takes over for Derek Mason. I have the Commodores going 3-9 and nine with only – the three wins coming from their non-conference games. Do either of you have them winning a game in the SEC this season? I don't. Uh, I honestly, I gave them the win at Colorado State, and that was me being like extraordinarily generous to Vanderbilt. Like I think Colorado State probably will beat them. I'm just trying to be nice to Vanderbilt here. I just, I hate it for them. Uh, I got to beating. Yeah, I got them beating East Tennessee State, Colorado State, and UConn. We saw UConn yesterday, guys. I mean, clearly, UConn hadn't played football in about two years. That was a terrible performance. But no, I mean, got Stanford in the non-conference at home. Stanford hasn't been great lately, but they're they're better than Vanderbilt. So now I don't have them winning a conference game. 0-8 for Vandy. I like Clark Lee. I think it was a really good hire for them. It's just not going to happen this year. They're doing some innovative things, like bringing Barton Simmons um, from like two from two two four seven Sports, be like the director of player personnel kind of thing. So I think they're going to be better in the future, but this year it ain't happening. Zero and eight in the conference. All right, Curtis. Yeah, I also have them going three and nine, but I'm kind of with Tyler. The Colorado State game's a true toss-up, which I was just trying to give them as many wins as I thought was fair. How sad is it for an SEC team to say Colorado State's a toss-up? I mean, it's it is what it is for Vanderbilt, but I mean, I know we get frustrated because we haven't won a national title in however many years. I don't want to say how many years it's been. It's been a long time. We know that, but like at least we aren't sitting here saying, "Hey guys, we might lose to Colorado State." At least we're not there. So there's something. I like your positive thing. There's something. All right. Moving over to the SEC West, we're going to start with the defending national champion, the Alabama Crimson Tide. Well, we know they don't rebuild. They just reload. But they did lose a lot of key pieces off of last year's national championship team. I personally have them going 11-1, and losing to Texas A&M, mostly because that game is at A&M. And I think the atmosphere will play into a lot of that game. Uh, so, Tyler. Oh, you're sure with me. Okay, 11-1. and one. Uh, You got 11-1. I also have the Alabama Crimson Tide going 11-1. and one. I know that's blasphemy, right? We just assume Alabama's going to go undefeated. But that doesn't only happen a handful of times under Nick Saban, as good as they have been. They haven't gone undefeated many times in uh, his tenure. But they are still extraordinarily talented. As I said earlier, they're one of the two most talented teams in the country, and they're going to be very, very good on defense. I think this is going to be one of the better defenses they've had in the past couple of years. I do think there are some minor questions in the secondary, but that front seven will be one of the best anywhere in the country. But for me, when I look at this Alabama team, and look, it's all relative, guys. I still have them going 11-1. and I'm not saying Alabama's falling off a cliff. They're still going to be excellent. They're still going to be right there contending for the SEC West. 
but they're just replacing so, so much on offense. Guys, over the past two years, we're talking about four first-round picks at wide receiver, four first-round wide receivers, two first-round quarterbacks, a first-round running back over the last two seasons. That Losing that kind of talent is just not sustainable. I know they, they were able to do it last year, but this year, all those guys are gone. Everyone is expecting John Mechie to just step in and be that guy right away, like their number one receiver. I don't. I think that's a little bit of a leap. I don't know if he's that kind of guy. I didn't see that from him last year. Can he grow into that? Sure, certainly possible. I didn't see him show signs of that last year. I saw a guy that benefited from a lot of single coverage. So I just have questions. Can he be that guy? Jamison Williams, are, they're really excited about in Tuscaloosa. But he couldn't get on the field at Ohio State. That's why he transferred. He couldn't see the field. Now, Ohio State has a great receiving core, absolutely. But you're expecting him to come in from Ohio State where he couldn't see the field, and he's going to be a guy replacing Jalen Waddle and Devontae Smith right away. I don't know if I see that. That's a stretch. Jaleel Billingsley is a very talented tight end, but we haven't seen him do it consistently yet. Now, he could be very good. I think he, he's a very talented guy, but we just don't know yet. And Saban went off on him a couple weeks ago. Bryce, a quarterback, he's very talented, man. His high school tape was awesome, awesome. But again, we don't know yet. We haven't seen it. It's still a question. And they absolutely won't be the same at running back. Brian Robinson is the definition of average. It looks like Jason McClellan probably will be the guy at running back. But he's just like, it's, it's again, it's a stretch to suggest that he's going to be everything that Najee Harris was for them last year. And then on top of that, you're working on a new offensive coordinator in Bill O'Brien, who, yes, has had success. Absolutely. And when does an assistant coach hire not work out for saving? You got to throw it out there. Of course, that's the case. But that's still something new. It's something different. We don't know. It's a question. So for them to be like the same level of team as they were last year and the year before, there's, there's just so many questions that have to be answered definitively in a positive fashion. And I just don't know if that is realistic. I, I think I look at the AM game. I That's the game I have them losing at AM in prime time. Florida, I think they're better than Florida. They're more talented than Florida. But it's early season. It's in Gainesville. That's a game where they could trip up. I wouldn't. I'm not picking them to lose that game, but I wouldn't like shock me if they lost that game. But I got them going 11 and one. They're still going to be insanely good. But this year, I have a And M finally knocking them off. All right, Curtis, what do you think of Bama this season? Um, I have the tide rolling into Atlanta, 12 and 0. The biggest thing is with a And M. I think that people are also overselling a And M with the fact that they're going to be replacing Kellen Mond. But I think it's going to be a big loss for them, and they have a lot of unknowns, in my opinion. And the same fact is, yeah, Kyle Fields an intimidating place to play, but realistically, if anyone's able to go in there and handle that crowd, it's, it's Alabama. Um, you know, they're one that's truly, for the most part, not affected by the crowd. So. I think if anyone, I think that's a toss-up game, but I still, until someone knocks off Saban in the West consistently, I would, I'm more inclined to go with Alabama. I think it's fair saying, like, you're right, Curtis, if anyone goes into Kyle Field in that kind of environment and not to not be intimidated, it's going to be Alabama. They've been there. They've done that. That's very fair. But, man, that's going to be a rocking Kyle well, especially Field. after especially after they're going into Florida, so they're already going to get that big prime time, you know, big all the attention on an away game going into a – tough atmosphere so they're already gonna have that under their belt if that was the big you know their first big road test of the year i would be more inclined but that's not going to be yeah i mean you're, you're making great points here man look in my confidence in and beating alabama is not strong it's not a high level of confidence uh i just think i mean prime and we'll talk about a and i think is are they, are they up next charlie yes okay well okay well i don't want to spoil anything let's go to a and next all right well since two of us do have bama losing to a and let's go there 
A&M enjoyed a renaissance season of sorts last year, and at the end of the day, they ended up in a position that we are all too familiar with, finishing number five in the final college football playoff rankings. They lost Kellen Mond at quarterback, but I don't think he was that great anyways. They have a lot of uh, defensive players returning. Most of their skilled players are returning. I have A&M going 12-0, obviously. Tyler, did you pick them to beat Alabama. Does that mean you also have them representing the West and Atlanta? It does mean that. However, I don't have them. I'm not quite as high on them as you are. I'm, I'm high on A&M this year, which honestly, I, I, I don't even know how I feel about this. Because about midway through the offseason, I was looking at A&M like, no, nah, man, like, I, I'm not seeing A&M this year. I, I, don't, I don't see the hype. But as the offseason's gone on and on, we got closer to the season, the more I dig into this team, the more I like them. The more I went back and watched some tape from last year, the more I like this team. But I'm st- it's still like, I, I will admit, the confidence is very shaky here. I don't have them 12-0. and 0. I had them 11-1. and 1. I do have them beating Alabama. I actually had them losing to LSU the final game of the season in Baton Rouge. Uh, now, that was before LSU made the announcement that they weren't going to, that you had to have a vaccine card to get into the stadium. So I'm very curious to see how that impacts LSU's attendance and the, the environment at Tiger Stadium. But regardless, right now I'm going to stick with it and say I had them losing at LSU to end the season going 11 and 1. But it's a very shaky conference, as I said. Like, I, I'm, not, I'm certainly not telling anyone to run to the betting window right now and put all your money on AM to win the SEC West. I am not telling you that. I'm not that confident in it. But here's my thought process. As I just laid out with Alabama, I think Alabama's going to be really good. But I do believe that this is the most vulnerable Alabama has been coming into a season in quite a while. And on top of that, as I mentioned, AM does get them at home in a primetime game. And that primetime game used to be Alabama-LSU. Well, last, the past two years, we've been that primetime game on CBS. It was Georgia-Notre Dame and Georgia-Bama last year. But this year, it's Bama and AM. They've already made that announcement. So that is going to be a rocking environment. Curtis, you're right that – Bama's been there. They've done that. But that's still going to be a big environment. Uh, and look, you're, you're right in saying that Bryce Young will have been in, at Florida, but I still think it might be – that's going to be a different kind of environment in a primetime game. Defensively, A&M is going to be very good. They have nine stars returning off of a top 10 defense last year, including DeMarvin Leal on the defensive line, who will probably be a high first-round draft pick. He was one of only four players in the country last year that, according to Pro Football Focus, grade out as an 80 or higher versus both the run and the pass – now, AM is not without question marks. That's why this is not like a super confident pick. The biggest question mark, obviously, is that quarterback losing Kellen Mond. Curtis, you're right. Losing him is concerning. He was a multi-year starter, and you're going to work in a guy who has no experience whatsoever. You're asking him to be Alabama. That's concerning. I have questions there. Haynes King is the guy who's won the job. He's a dual-threat-ish guy. I like Bryce Young more. I think Bryce Young is a better quarterback, but they won't be on the field at the same time. I think that Haynes King right now – has more proven playmakers around him than Bryce Young does. I look at their backfield. Isaiah Spiller is a really good running back. Devon A-Chain might be even better. Devon A-Chain is explosive. You've watched the Orange Bowl last year. He broke off that game-winning run against North Carolina. He only had 43 carries last year as a freshman, but 12 of those went for 10-plus yards, explosive plays. So 28% of his carries were explosive runs. He, he uh, has put up a 10 200 meter. That guy has like Arian Smith-type speed. He can fly. Then at tight end, you got Jalen Weidemeyer, who's the second highest rated tight end over the last two seasons. Baylor Cup, 
who actually came in the same class as Weidermeyer, is another tight end who was more highly rated than Weidermeyer was coming out of high school, but he's been hurt. He had season-ending injuries each of the past two years before the season started. He should be back this year. Adds another weapon to this AM offense. Anaya Smith is their, their Kadarius Tony, kind of twitchy slot player, kind of can do everything. Chase Lane is a good wide receiver. Damon Dumas, a former five-star, I think was rated to be a breakout candidate this year. They get Bam at home, and then you got, from the SC East, you get South Carolina and Missouri. Two games they should absolutely win. So, I mean, 10-2 could very well be possible for a and Maybe that's more likely, but this I'm going to go on a limb here. I like the experience coming back on defense. I think they have more, play, more proven playmakers on offense coming this year. They get Bama at home, so I'm going to go 11-1. I got A&M representing the West in Atlanta. All right, Curtis, how do you see A&M doing this season? I have A&M going 11-1 with their only loss to Alabama, um, but that one loss being the difference maker and then being home, uh, staying home watching the SEC championship game. All right. Yeah, so we're all pretty similar there. Curtis has just got Bama over a which is a very reasonable thing. To, I mean, Curtis is probably being the more reasonable one here, having Alabama over a Because, I mean, what's it? Death taxes and Alabama beating everyone. That's kind of the rule in college football. So I can't give you much junk for that, Kurt. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N ads.com. All right. Well, LSU is looking to bounce back from a disappointing follow-up to their 2019 national title run. We know they're talented, but there's also been some unrest, well, a lot of unrest inside the program as well with the NCAA sniffing around. I have LSU going eight and four with losses to Kentucky, Florida, Alabama, and AM. Curtis? I have LSU going nine and three with only losses to Alabama and Texas AM. Ole Miss, Bama, and AM. Okay, so. I am a little bit higher on LSU than both you guys. And this is another one that like, I don't feel super confident in. But I have LSU going 10-2. and two. I had them losing at Ole Miss and losing at Alabama. I have them beating AM at home late in the season. Again, now with the stadium situation, I don't know how I feel about that. But you look at the rest of the schedule. I know some people are picking them to lose at UCLA. I know UCLA, UCLA beat the holy hell out of Hawaii. But, I mean, God, Hawaii was terrible. I think LSU is going to go into uh, Pasadena, beat UCLA, I don't know where else you're going to lose. Auburn, we're gonna, we haven't done, yeah, we haven't done Auburn yet. We'll get to Auburn in a little bit. I don't believe in Auburn this year. At Mississippi State, no, they're going to beat Mississippi State. At Kentucky, could be a tricky game, but I'm going to give LSU the edge just based on talent. Florida, obviously, is a tricky one, um, but the fact this is in Baton Rouge, I'm going to go with LSU there. So, yeah, I've got them losing at Ole Miss and at Bama, uh, finishing 10-2. and two. Now, I honestly thought Miles Brennan was probably going to win this job, but he's out for the, or at least – for a long time, I don't. I don't think he's officially out for the year. Out indefinitely, whatever that ends up meaning. But Max Johnson's a guy that I, I. I still have questions about how good he can be. What is his ceiling at the college level? I've seen this guy play a lot in high school. He's been in the Athens area, obviously, he was quarterback at Oconee County. 
really tough kid, but I still have questions about him at this level. They have questions on their offensive line, but I like their running backs. Davis Price, John Emery are highly rated running backs in high school. Uh, I think they're ready to have big years this year. They're going to be much better on defense. Defense was the problem for them last year. They were like just horribly bad last year. They might have the best cornerback tandem in the country. Stingley didn't play much last year, but he's going to be back this year. Eli Ricks going along with him. B.J. Ojolari might be one of the best pass rushers in all the country. He hit a freshman wall in the second half of last year, but the first half of the season, the first five games, he had a 28% pass rush win rate. So uh, this is going to be a team, and obviously Bo Pelini's out. They're going to be much better defensively. I have questions about Max Johnson. That's why I can't like, – I, I was toying around early in the, in the offseason before some of the injuries hit with maybe having them win the West. I was pretty high on them, but I backed off that a little bit here. I still think they're going to be a good team, a much better team than they were last year. Nine and three might be more realistic. Curtis, you're probably going to be right on that. But I'm going to stick to my guns here a little bit, and uh, I'm going to go LSU 10 and two. All right. Next, let's hop on the lane train and talk about Ole Miss. This is a very intriguing team. They can score with anybody, but they also can't stop anyone, at least not last year. I have Ole Miss going nine and three. Tyler, how do you see Ole Miss doing this year? You have the nine and three. I will do you one better. I also have, I have LSU going 10 and two. I also have Ole Miss going 10 and two, as has been kind of the theme of this with the SEC West. This is not a high level of confidence. This is certainly me taking a little bit of a flyer here. But what I did, guys, I mean, seriously, it's me trying to be intellectually honest. I went through each game of schedule. There were some toss-up games in there, but I came out with 10-2. and two. Uh, Louisville, I think they're going to beat them. I think it was a Labor Day night to open the season. And then the rest are non-con schedule. I mean, it's a joke. You got Austin P. You got Tulane. You got Liberty. Now, that Liberty game is kind of interesting, though. I will say that. You got Hugh Freeze coming back into Oxford. That's going to be an interesting game. I, I, I still like Ole Miss to win that game. I got them losing at Alabama. They're not going to win that game. And I had them losing to Texas A&M. But I have them beating LSU at home. I don't think Auburn's going to be very good. I think we're going to get to them next-ish maybe. Or I don't know when we're going to them. We'll talk about Auburn a little bit later. But you look at the East. You get Tennessee. They're on the road at Tennessee. And you get Vanderbilt. Two, two games they absolutely should win. I really like Matt Corral. He fits Lane's system really, really well. Jaron Ely is one of the better running backs. He doesn't really get a lot of attention. He's a really, really good player. Uh, you got Snoop Connor also back as well. Now, losing Elijah Moore, that is tough. But you got Braylon Sanders who did some things late in the season. I think Jonathan Mingo can be a pretty good player for them as well. It all comes down to defense for them. How good can they be defensively? How much can they improve? Guys, they were literally the worst defense in the country. One of the worst defenses the SEC has seen in the past 15 years, going back to when I could find stats. So I, I hate when people say this, like they can't be worse. You can always be worse. You can be worse, but it's really hard to imagine that Ole Miss is going to be worse defensively. They can be, but it's hard to imagine that. So a little bit of improvement there. I think they're going to be real good offensively again. I got the Rebels going 10 and two. That's a little aggressive, but again, looking at the schedule going down each game, 10 and two. All right, Curtis, what's your take on Ole Miss this season? Um, I have Ole Miss going nine and three, also with losses to Alabama, Auburn, and A and M. I think the big difference is at Auburn. I just don't see them winning on the road. All right. Well, Mississippi State is looking to get things back on track under Mike Leach. They started things off with a bang last season with a road win over the defending national champs in Tiger Stadium. But the excitement was short-lived because it all went downhill from there. Pretty quick. Yes. Remember pretty- when Mike Leach came out there on the, like the actual bandwagon, like a literal bandwagon, 
after they had beaten LSU, saying, hey, hop on the bandwagon. And then they completely fell apart right after that. I'm Hilarious. I'm not sure I ever saw that. I was told about it, but I don't know if I ever saw it. But anyway. Hilarious. I have Mississippi State going four and eight this year. Curtis, what's your take on Mississippi State? All right, so I'm a little bit higher, but not much. I have them going six and six with losses to LSU, A&M, Bama, Kentucky, Auburn, and Ole Miss. So practically so the you whole have SEC. NC State. I do. I think that NC State may have the uh, biggest problem being still having enough speed and talent to match up. See, that's the thing. The SEC has the speed defensively, where a lot of still other conferences may not have that same speed. Yeah, that's fair. Devin Leary coming back is a really good quarterback. I think that's, that is that is a totally a toss-up game for them. I mean, that's kind of a swing game for them. I've actually got them losing that one. But you're right, man. I can see them winning it. It's at home. That's not crazy. I have them losing that game, though. Okay, so you had 6-6 you had six and six making a bowl? Yeah. Okay. I have them – you had 4-8, and eight, Charlie? Yeah. I also have 4-8. and eight. Um, I would I would love to see Mike Leach be pretty good. I would like to see them get to a bowl game. I would like to have more wins on this schedule for them. But I got them losing to NC State. I got them losing to LSU at home, Bama, uh, losing to Kentucky at home. That's a game they could win. I, but I'm pretty high on Kentucky this year. Uh, the game that I had them losing, that I don't think you had them losing this game first. I had them losing at Arkansas. You have them beating the Hogs, right? Yeah, I'm very low on Arkansas. Okay, yeah. I didn't, that's that's very reasonable. Um, but I have the, I have – the Hawks winning that one in Fayetteville. I got them losing at Auburn. Oh, they, they could beat Auburn, though, as I'm not very high on Auburn. But, yeah, so I got them going four and eight. Um, it'd be fun to see Mike Leach have a, a good, solid team in the SEC. I just – I don't know. Again, going down the schedule, there, there are some swing games here, but I put them on the wrong side of pretty much all those swing games, whether it was NC State, Arkansas, um, Auburn, Ole Miss, some of those swing games. I got them on the wrong side of that. So I got them four and eight. Okay. Well, our cross-division rival, Auburn, finally jumped off the Gus bus and have had a rocky preseason under new head coach Brian Harson. They had to pause practice during fall camp because of a COVID outbreak, and they only have around 50% of their players vaccinated, which means there could be an outbreak or a couple of outbreaks during the season that could cost them games. Yeah, that's not even a political statement. That's just like a, a factual statement. If you only have 50% of your players vaccinated, those guys are – subjected to more strenuous testing procedures, contact tracing, which means if there's a couple guys that's positive, they very well could have to forfeit games. Well, in this season, there's no rescheduling. It's exactly. a forfeit. Unless both teams – I think unless both teams can't play, then it's like a no contest. Well, and if you're not the team with the COVID problem, hey, forfeit, that's a win. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, like Vandy, Vandy last year should have forfeited. Yeah. But whatever. Anyways. All right. Well, for Auburn, I have Auburn going five and seven this season. Tyler? All right, Auburn. Uh, Auburn Tigers. Yes, I've been waiting on this. You had, did you really just steal my thunder? I don't know. Five. five I thought I was going to be the one coming out with a bold statement saying Auburn's going to go five I and seven to miss a bowl. I have been losing at Penn State, at LSU, at Georgia. I actually have them losing to Arkansas, too. I don't know. Miss. Arkansas. One, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, you just you stole my thunder. I thought I was going to be bold here and have something nobody else had. I got, yeah, I'm with you, Charlie. I've got Auburn at five and seven. I, yeah, I got them losing at Penn State, at LSU, Georgia. I also have them losing at Arkansas three in a row there in the middle of the season. Actually, four in a row. I got them losing to Ole Miss five in a row at AM and then wrap the season up Alabama. So, I mean, if this really happens, Charlie, look, I, I'm very well could be wrong here. But if Auburn loses five games in a row in the middle of the season, do you think Brian Harson? last the season yes 
Curtis, do you like if, if if they lost five games in a row? Do you think that he makes it through the season? Yes, just because they won't have the money after paying that huge Gus yeah. Bus buyout. I guess, yeah, I guess that's what it comes down to. It's like, but God, can you imagine the consternation on the planes if they lose five games in a row? Woo! Especially if Gus has a donors? decent season at UCF. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. If if UCF does well, and think about all the donors who wanted Kevin Steele. It's kind of a power play by their AD, Alan Green who's pretty new there, and those donors get what they want. It's they're looking for a reason to, I mean, get Alan Green out of there. So I guess it could just be bad if that ends up happening. And I like, I don't know. They could, they could very well beat Arkansas. But I just – I don't know, man. Like, they're going to lose LSU. They're going to lose us. They're going to lose Ole Miss. They're going to lose a and I mean, maybe they beat Arkansas, but I don't know. So I'm going 5-7 and seven here, and the reason being is Bo Nix sucks. I'm just going to be blunt about it. Bo Nix is terrible. If you guys listen to me talk about Bo Nix and Auburn – for a while now, you know my things on Bo Nix. Let me back it up a little bit too here. 61.9 drop back grade last year, right? Okay. He's never completed in two full years as a starter. Has never completed more than 60% of his passes in an offense, a Gus Malzahn offense that was among the most screen heavy offenses in the country. When you're throwing that many passes at or behind line of scrimmage, your completion percentage should be, there's no excuse for not being up in the 70s, the mid 70s. He had a, he's had a 48% pass accuracy rate beyond the line of scrimmage, averaged 6.7 and 6.8 yards per attempt his first two years as starting quarterback. Guys, that is bottom 10 to 15 type stuff at the quarterback position. That's who Bo Nix is. And we're expecting him to be better coming into this year without his top three wide receivers from last year with William Schwartz and Stove combining for 238 targets last year. Guys, no other wide receiver on the team last year had more than 15 targets. Those two receivers combined for 1,700-plus yards receiving and 10 touchdowns. Each of, each of those guys, all three of them, Seth Williams, Anthony Schwartz, Eli Stove, had at least 40 catches last year. No returning receiver had more than seven last year. He's supposed to be better with that? I don't know, man. I don't know. Now, I do love Tank Bigsby. He's maybe the best running back in the country. He's that good. I really like him. Wish he was in red and black, but he's not. We screwed that up. Um, I expect him to lean heavy on him. You look at Mike Bobo's history. He's going to run the football. They, they're going to lean on him early. I don't think it's going to be enough, though. They have to be able to throw the football in this league and in, in college football nowadays, and I just don't think they're going to be able to do that. They have some good players and spots on defense, but just not enough difference makers. Papo is not as good as people want to make him out to be. He's a great athlete, but he hasn't been productive. So Kobe McLean's actually been the superior linebacker from a productivity standpoint. Smoke Monday's solid-ish. He's good at run support, liability, and coverage. Still some questions on defense. Um, yeah, I got Auburn going 5-7. and seven. I, I don't think they make a bowl this year. All right, Curtis, how do you think Auburn will do this year? I'm a little bit higher, not much. I just have them at seven and five, probably going the other way on a couple of the swing games compared to you guys. Yeah, you haven't beating at you haven't winning at Arkansas. Yeah, I think that's the biggest difference. Yeah. Um, what other win do you have? Uh, do you have them beating Ole Miss? Yes. Yeah, that's the bit the difference. I have them because Ole Miss at home is where I have the difference. Yeah, and traditionally Ole Miss just doesn't win in Auburn. They just don't. Um, I just think this is a different year. I just with the transition with the offensive coordinator with the coaching staff. Some of the issues with COVID, they're good. it's going to pop up for them this year. It's just going to. I just, I don't know. I, uh, I, it, it's possible to make a bowl. I'm certainly not going to write them off, but if I'm just going down the schedule, I got five and seven. It's kind of like, uh, was it Mississippi State? I said like I just got them on the wrong side of a couple of these of these swing games and got them going five and seven. All right. Well, the last team on the docket today are the Arkansas Razorbacks, who will be making a trip to Athens in October. 
Sam Pittman led a resurgence last season for the Hogs, but they still only managed three wins. Now it's a resurgence because they had had because it's at Arkansas at least twenty SEC it was like twenty two twenty two game losing streak in the conference something, something like, like that. that. So they're trying to build on that with new quarterback KJ Jefferson. I have the Razorbacks going seven and five this. Season. Oh, that's. I too aggressive, Charlie. That's very. I know it's that's just because you have a soft spot for Sam Pittman. I Let's do. be real. You're being okay. completely influenced okay. by that. Anyways. It's okay. At least you can own it. All Curtis, right. what's your total for Arkansas this season? I have them repeating their same win total going three and nine. Okay. Very different. Three and nine. All right. Who do you have them beating, Kurt? Um, let's see. Arkansas's only wins are going to come against Rice, UA Pine Bluff, and Georgia Southern, which may could very well be a tough game for them because it'll be a ball control type game. Could be. No chance to beat Texas in week two? Uh, I think the UT is back enough to beat Arkansas. Be John Robinson, run all over him, potentially. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm somewhere in the middle of both you guys. I'm not quite that low on them, Curtis. Charlie, I'm certainly not seven and five high on them. I got them going five and seven, missing out a bowl. All right, I do, Curtis. I, I I see Texas as maybe a little bit more of a swing game than you do. I actually have them winning that game at home. I think it's gonna be a rocking environment. Texas probably no, they do have a more talented roster. There's no probably about it. they do have a more talented roster. But it's year one, Steve Sarkeesian system. Hudson Card looks like he's probably gonna win that job. I I don't know. We'll see what to expect from them. Bijan Robinson's a really good running back, but I'm interested to see how kind of how they look. I I, I there are some things I like about Arkansas. K.J. Jefferson is a good-ish dual-threat quarterback. Traylon Burks is a stud at wide receiver. Maybe the best wide receiver in the entire league. Made a huge step forward last year. Uh, people don't really talk about him. This is Arkansas. I get it. Had an 88.9 grade last year, which is eighth highest among wide receivers in the country. Was top 20 in yards per route run. Um, he, he really is a great fit for Kendall Bryles' system. He has 17 catches of 20-plus yards over the last two seasons, which is top 10 over that time span. So very explosive, deep threat as well. Really good in the RPO. He's a big body type guy. Can take those RPO slants that they like to run and uh, make some things happen with the breaks and tackles and, and break off some big chunks there. Traylon Smith's a good running back. Now, they still have some serious questions on defense. Bumper pull, Grant Morgan. They, get, they, get, they make a ton of tackles, so they're always really high up there in the league and in the national numbers like number of tackles, that's one of the most overrated stats of the country because where are those tackles being made? And how many tackles do you not make? They're just on the field a lot. Um, they're okay. They're fine. They're solid. They're tough guys, but they're not elite linebackers. Um, and there's some questions in the, in the secondary there. So, I mean, Catalan is a really good safety. He's as good as there is in the league at, at safety. But outside of that, there's some questions there. So I got them going five and seven. I do have them beating Texas, um, but I got them losing to AM, Georgia, at Ole Miss, uh, Bama and Missouri. Wait, that's one, two, three. LSU. Yeah, okay. That, yeah, five and seven. There we go. All right. Well, that's the SEC. So now it's time to make our official playoff predictions. In no certain order, I have Ohio State. Whoa, whoa, whoa. no certain order. No, you got to rank them. Oh, I don't know. Uh, oh, don't, I can't. Oh, seriously, you guys can. Okay, I will. I, I will. Ohio State, Clemson, Oklahoma, and Georgia. Ohio State, Clemson. Oklahoma, Oklahoma and Georgia. Georgia. Put some numbers on those th- on those teams. Uh, okay. Well, Curtis, go ahead and give us your playoff teams, and I'll work on my order. Okay. I am going to go with Oklahoma number one, 
Ohio or Clemson two, Ohio State three, and Georgia four. So we sneak in. Kurt, make the case for us sneaking in. Well, I think it's gonna come down to the SEC championship game. And if you if if there's two 12 and one teams, I don't see there being a way for them to take two SEC games or SEC teams. And as you've seen in the past, um, a lot of it's going to come down to who's the winner of that game. So I think if we win the SEC championship game, they'll take the victor of that game. If they, so you, if the both teams end up being 12 and one. So you have us beating Alabama finally. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. All right. Oklahoma. I'm with you on the Oklahoma pick, man. Like, Oklahoma is going to be crazy good this year. I'm very. Well, and very the, the Big Twelve is so far down. Once. Again. Yeah, there's just no con- yeah. like you can say Iowa State is a contender. I just and I know Iowa State has played them well because Iowa State plays this kind of inverted Tampa two defense is their base defense and it really gives Oklahoma trouble because it's built to stop spread offenses and that's what Oklahoma does and that helps them match up. They just don't have the overall talent that Oklahoma has. And look, I know they beat Oklahoma in the regular season last year. This is a better Oklahoma team. It just is. It's a better Oklahoma team. So uh, I like that. I mean, Oklahoma, they can, they concern me. They concern me. That's a very good team. I've got, all right. So for me, I've got our dogs, the university of Georgia. At number one? At number one. Okay. Well, if I got, Charlie, if I got Georgia going 12 and 0 beating Clemson and winning the SEC, I know, we're going to be number one. You, you said you agreed with Oklahoma. So I thought no, I, I, I agree with, okay. that, he was, that okay. they would be a number one. I should have said that better. I agree with Chris. Oklahoma is going to be very, very, very good. They're going to be very dangerous. So I've got Georgia at number one. I've got OU at number two. Uh, I think Oklahoma is probably going to go undefeated as well, but our schedule was just stronger. So if we am going undefeated and win the ACC title, we're going to be the number one seed. So I got Oklahoma coming in at number two. I got Clemson sneaking in at number three. And then I got Ohio State coming at four. I really want to find a way for AM to sneak in there. But I think AM, if they lose to LSU, like I'm predicting them to, and they lose to us in the SEC title game, that's going to be two losses. We have seen this story before, guys, right? Huh, tell me if you've seen us enter the SEC title game as a one-loss team, lose the SEC title game as our second loss, and get left out in favor of a one-loss conference champion like Oklahoma and end up as the number five team. Huh, we've seen that story before. I think AM is going to see that play out as well coming at number five um i also say with clemson watch out for north carolina curtis am i crazy say north carolina has a chance if they get in the acc title game with a with one loss can they potentially pull the upset and beat clemson no i don't see it happening carolina just doesn't have the speed on offense that they had the last couple years and that's gonna be that's what you have to have to beat clemson yeah, they're losing a lot of production receiver at running back. They get Ty Chandler coming in. Bo Corrales is coming back. He missed most of last year. He's a good receiver. Now he's not De'Ami Brown. I will say that. But Sam Howell is as good as there is, man. I think they have some good players receiver that can step in and play. I like Bo Corrales coming back. Ty Chandler, I think, is a guy that can be really explosive in the running game. They had 10 stars coming back on defense. They're not at Clemson's level yet. But it, like, I think they can play Clemson close. But I got Clemson winning that game, getting to the college football playoff, and uh, coming in at number three, so that means Georgia versus Ohio State in the Orange Bowl, Oklahoma versus Clemson in the Cotton Bowl, and then I've got Georgia versus Oklahoma in the National Championship. Charlie, did you have your picks you want to go with? Okay, sorry. Update. I have Oklahoma number one, followed by UGA, then Clemson, and then Ohio State. All right. Happy now? I am so happy now, Charlie. Wonderful. Curtis, who do you got winning the national title? I'm going to go with the dogs being healthy, finally getting over the hump. Yeah, if we can be healthy, I think Oklahoma, I think honestly, coming this season, looking at all these rosters, I think Georgia and Oklahoma are the two best teams in the country, the fewest questions, like the best combination of talent plus returning experience. Bama's got a ton of talent. There's a lot of experience they've lost. Same thing with Ohio State. 
Um, so I think it's Georgia, Oklahoma, two best teams in the country. I think it's, that's how it'll play out in the national championship game in Indianapolis. And if you're right, Chris, I agree. If we're healthy and JT is who we think he is, who we want him to be, this is a national championship team. I think this is the best team that Kirby Smart has had. I think we have the coordinator finally on offense. I think we finally have the quarterback. I think we have skill players out wide. And don't rule out George Pickens' return. If we're if we're in contention, don't rule out a George Pickens' return to be a shot in the arm late in the season. So I got the dogs over the Sooners in the national championship. Dogs on top over Oklahoma once again in that long, long, long national title drought will finally come to an end. I know this is a Georgia podcast, and you can sit there and call me a homer all you want. That's fine. I've heard it all before. But we laid it out at the beginning of the episode, the reasons why I think we're going defeated, all the major issues, those deficiencies that were holding us back from truly winning a national title. We've been close. We've been contending. We've been an elite program, but we haven't been able to close the deal. And all those issues that have been holding us back they look to be in better shape than they ever have been in the Kirby Smart era. And look, guys, we're going to have to get lucky along the way, too. All these teams that win national titles, things swing their way. Things have not swung our way. I don't know what Lady Luck is going to do. I can't predict that. But we have the roster. We have the coaching staff, finally, with Todd Monk on the offensive side of the ball. We know we have that rock to lean on with our defense. It's just a matter of becoming more explosive and more efficient on a consistent basis offensively. And I think that we finally have all those pieces to do it. Hopefully, this is the year. And I think it will be the year where everything finally falls into place. It's always been one thing here or there that's kept us from winning a title. In 2018, we were elite offensively. Not so much defensively. We know the story the past two years. It's been flipped, right? The defense has been elite. It's been a championship caliber defense. Offense has been up to par. This year, I think that changes. We put everything together, and the dogs will finally, finally end that championship drought. But all right, guys, that does it for today here on the Glory UGA Podcast. Don't forget... We're going live tomorrow on Instagram at 8 o'clock. If you haven't followed us on Instagram, still have time to do that so you can join us, bring your questions, bring your thoughts, bring your predictions, bring anything you want, and we will have a lot of fun discussing everything there tomorrow at 8 o'clock. Tomorrow, of course, being Monday night, depending on when you're listening to this, it's Monday night at 8 p.m. Let's make it a great week, guys. It's game week. It's got to be a great week. But thanks for listening. For Charlie, for Curtis, I'm Tyler, and as always... Go dogs!